0: Hello, and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett, and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I want to share a word about the sign gifts of the Spirit as I continue in a series in which I comment from the Word of God on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so far in this series, we've dealt with the origin and purpose of the Holy Spirit, as well as the origin and purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. Now we need to look at the sign and miraculous gifts, because these gifts are the cause of much confusion. And the three sign gifts that seem to cause the most trouble are the gifts of tongues, prophecy, and healing. We will discuss each of these. But we will begin by looking at how and when God uses miracles. So how does God use the miraculous? Well, that discussion begins with the fact that God created the earth. The earth and all that is in it comes from God. God created the world to work in an orderly fashion. We know that the sun always rises in the east and sets in the west, even when we can't see it because of clouds. This is the way that God designed the world, and it's the way the world works. And in fact, the way God designed the world works almost all of the time. We know the world is not perfect like God created it because man's sin has changed it. But by and large, like the sun rising in the east and setting in the west, the world works the way God designed it to. So the fact that God created the world and that God gave it rules by which it runs is the foundation of modern science. Yes, the earliest scientists were men of great faith who believed that the world was a place of order that worked the same way every time all they had to do was to observe how the world works, then they could predict the outcome of an experiment, or the outcome of some kind of medical treatment, or some other thing that they were observing. Now the problem today is that scientists have made the earth a god and placed it above humanity, whereas our God made people his stewards over his earth that he owns. Despite this, Modern science has its beginning in Christian faith. So what then do we observe? Almost all the time, the world works exactly the way God designed it to work. Miracles are not common, nor are they usually necessary. If we observe how nature works, and if we are good stewards of nature, then we will be blessed by nature. Because God owns the earth, however, He can change how nature works. You see, when you create something, you own it. And when you own something, it's under your control. If you own a house, you can paint it a different color if you want to. If you only rent a house, you must ask permission to paint it. And God does not need to ask permission. When he decides to, God can change how nature works. And he does not do this very often. When he rested on the seventh day, he said that the world he had created was very good. He likes it to work the way it normally works. At certain times and in- instances in history, however, God changes the way nature works. We call these acts of God miracles. They don't happen very often, but they do happen. The Bible records very many miracles in both the Old and New Testament. But even in the Bible, however, miracles did not occur every day. What then does this teach us? It teaches us that God uses miracles to confirm developments in his revelation, on his time outline. God uses miracles from time to time in scripture in brief periods. For example, he used them to validate Moses before Egypt and also before the Israelites. He used them to establish the Jews in the promised land. And he used them to validate the ministry of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus also did miracles because he is God. He used them more to bless people than to to validate his ministry. However, his miracles did testify to him as the son of God. God also used miracles to establish the New Testament church, and he used them to validate the truth of his holy word. What we see is that God uses miracles to show that something new is about to happen. I believe the biblical record is very clear that God uses miracles to show that something new is about to happen. He uses them to show the next step in his eternal plan. So what's the next major event in God's plan? Well, from what we know, end times would be the next event in God's plan. I believe that at the end times, we will see an outbreak of the miraculous. For example, when Jesus comes for us, we will meet him in the air, and that certainly will be a miracle. God does continue to act in people's lives, but he made nature to work in a certain way, and he likes the way it works. Therefore, we should not expect an outpouring of miracles until he is ready to advance his plan to the next phase. So I believe then that God works in extraordinary ways when he needs to and one of those areas is the mission field. I do believe he uses the miraculous to validate his word where people have never heard it before. And I can share a minor example of that from my time in Africa. When I was in Africa, we were witnessing to a group of people. We were using what we call storying to tell Bible stories that will bring people to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. I had a team that witnessed to a man one day, and he received them politely, and he took their materials, and he bid them farewell. The next day, he came to my compound looking for help because over that night between the time that he was witness to and the time he came to to my home, God had been dealing with him. At night, when he went to sleep, he heard someone calling his name. So he turned over, but there was no one there. So then he heard someone calling his name from the other side of the room, and he turned over, and there was no one there. All night, he heard someone calling his name, but there was no one there. And I believe the Holy Spirit was calling that man to salvation I helped him to speak with a local believer and that man did make a profession of faith and I believe that was a miraculous work of God to bring that man to salvation now in contrast to that when people have God's Word in their midst we know that it's powerful it's a two-edged sword and it convicts us of our sin So, God's word does not need miraculous things to happen to be effective. It doesn't need miracles. It works its own miracles in our hearts. What then should we make of the sign gifts? Well, I believe that these are valid gifts still, but God does not use them very often in today's world. So, let's talk about the sign gifts. First, let's talk about tongues. This gift seems to cause the most confusion. In Acts chapter 2, God used tongues to present the gospel to the Jews gathered from all over the Roman world for Pentecost. They each heard the gospel in their own language. And in fact, some people have called this not the gift of tongues, but the gift of hearing. These were known human tongues. And it would be like me speaking English today and another person, uh, another country, hearing it in their own language, but without an interpreter. In 1 Corinthians, however, Paul indicated that a person might speak with the tongues of men or the tongues of angels. And some believe that this means there is a prayer language that we can use in private prayer with God. Now, Paul does not explain how this works, but he did talk about the tongues of angels. He does say, however, that God has a purpose for tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14.22, he says, tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Again, God validates His Word by use of miracles such as tongues. Paul insists that what is taught in church must be understandable by the people in the church. He said in 1 Corinthians 14.18-19 that, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, but in the church I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now he also told the church at Corinth not to prohibit speaking in tongues, but he did tell them to regulate tongues by having an interpreter. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God, 1 Corinthians 14:17 17-18. See, the most important thing for Paul was for God's word to be used to edify the church. Speaking in untong- unknown tongues does not do that, even if it's a human language or even a heavenly language. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14:8 again, If the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So I have to be honest with you, I don't believe that most examples of tongues today are valid. However, if someone in a church believes they have that gift, God will also provide someone else with the gift of interpretation. And so all of us, leading churches and sitting in churches must decide under the leadership of the Holy Spirit if that gift is a real one in your church. But it can't be used in a church if there's no one who can interpret. Finally, we must remember that the Bible does not teach we must be speaking in tongues to show that we are saved. The Bible does not teach that we must speak in tongues to show that we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Tongues is a gift one among many. And Paul teaches it's not the most important gift. So what about prophecy? Well, this gift is clearly Paul's favorite. It's the only gift that is included in all three of his lists of spiritual gifts. He told the church at Corinth that if they prayed for a gift, it should be prophecy. Prophecy is one of the speaking gifts, and it works to build up the church by sharing God's word. The gift isn't defined by Paul, but he does describe how it works in 1 Corinthians 14.3. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So is this really a sign gift? According to Millard Erickson, a prophet is one who speaks forth for God. And in the Old Testament, that often included revelations of the future plans of God, but not always. John the Baptist is considered a prophet, but he's recorded quoting from the Old Testament. God did prompt him to preach repentance, but he was not predicting a new thing, only reminding people of truth from God. According to Wayne Grudem, prophecy happens when a person has a message from God put upon their heart. They are convicted of God that they must tell this message, but of course it can never be something that contradicts Scripture. So we don't believe that modern prophecy can include foretelling a new future because we believe the canon of Scripture closed with the revelation of John, the book of the Revelation. And the next great event on God's calendar has been predicted by John. When the end times come to pass, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Those who are alive and remain will be taken to heaven and remain in God's presence into eternity. Until these things come to pass, what more new things does God need to tell us? Prophecy, then, is the forth or proclamation of a gift from God based on his word guided by the Spirit for the purpose of strengthening, encouraging, and encouraging comforting God's people so prophecy actually seems to be similar to the gift of discernment in many ways so is prophecy a sign gift well I'll let you be the judge of that I'm not sure it really is I think it is simply using God's Word under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to bless his people so now let's turn our attention to healing this gift is only mentioned once Paul includes it in his list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. It's probably like the gift of working miracles that Paul mentioned, which is close to healing on this same list. So we've already discussed God's use of miracles. He does them when he wants to and for his own reasons. Does God heal today through miracles? Yes, but he doesn't do it every time. In truth, he did not even heal everyone in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, Paul admits, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. But he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Like many other gifts, Paul did not teach us how the gift of healing works. He merely states that the gift exists, but gives us no other explanation. We were taught by James, however, how to minister to those who are sick. He said, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. If anyone among you sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered up in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James 5, 13-16. Now, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the man who was beaten had oil applied to his wounds. Oil was used as a medicine in biblical times. And so many people teach today to pray for the sick, but also to give them medicine. In biblical times, people believed that sin caused illness. Now, Jesus taught that All illness does not come through sin, and we understand that today better because science has taught us about bacteria, viruses, and genetic orders. We often get sick because the world is not perfect. It's not the way God created it to be. Mankind's sin has marred God's perfect creation, and so we get sick. But getting sick does not always mean we've committed some kind of specific sin. Some illnesses, however, do come from sinful habits abusing drugs, abusing alcohol, overeating, not getting enough exercise, all these things can make us sick, and we need to repent of these to get well. So let me share from my past ministry three examples of healing. A woman in my home church, where we were raised and where I was baptized, had a brain tumor. Our church prayed for her, and that brain tumor disappeared. What a wonderful experience of God's acting in her life. Another man who had terrible shoulder pain after an accident was eased in his pain after we prayed for him and anointed him with oil. His pain was eased, and he was able to wait several months for corrective surgery. He still needed the corrective surgery. His his shoulder was still injured but his pain was eased after we anointed him for oil, with oil and after we prayed for him. Finally, there was a woman whose cancer treatments actually made her more ill than her cancer. Her, her, she had a very adverse reaction to the cancer treatments and she was in a coma. At church where I was pastor, we prayed earnestly for her, one of our members, and we had one of the sweetest nights of prayer I can ever remember in my ministry but she died anyway. But of course she was healed when she went to be in heaven with her Lord and Savior and she received her new body. So, the gift of healing. You be the judge about how it works today. We do know from 1 Corinthians 13 that some gifts will pass away. Have the signed gifts passed away today? I believe in truth, they mainly have. God uses them for specific purposes. And in most places in the world today, he doesn't need to use them because the word of God is there. And the word of God is alive, it's active, it's a two-edged sword. But when God chooses, he can use the miraculous. In his own time, in his own place, to validate his word, and to bring the lost to salvation. So you pray about the sign gifts. You pray about what God wants you to understand about the work of the miraculous today. You let God teach you. You wrestle with God, and he will let you know in your heart what you need to believe. When we get together the next time, we'll turn our attention to the greatest gift the one that will last until Jesus comes back. Until then, may God bless and keep you. And may God teach you through His Word about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.